0: What's up? Welcome back to Barton and Bud. I'm Barton Simmons with Bud Elliott, and it is Big Ten week. We are um, adding conferences at a steady clip at this point. Big Big Ten, we get Mount West. Pac-12 is not far behind. Mac, thank God. Um, And you know what? Our week is just going to keep on getting busier and busier. So this show is going to be a busy one, but we got to talk about, we got to preview the Big Ten, obviously. But we got a big slate of games that we got to kind of talk about as well, and then you know what we we owe you guys a recruiting question as well. So we'll try to dive into the mailbag. How we doing, Bud? We just released our rankings for twenty twenty two for the class of two of uh, for our top two four seven for the class of twenty twenty two. So um, I haven't checked my mentions, but uh, to, to this point, doesn't seem too bad. Um, how's your world? You know, it's it's pretty
1: good, man. I'm in the process of buying a new TV. And Barton, I, I can't imagine that your mentions would be bad on, on a 2022 because most people don't actually know, you know, who these kids are yet. And more importantly, they really only care about the kid's rating once he's already committed to their school. And there's not that That's many right. kids who are committed, so like they're not it's ready. How to, that works? It's weird because like hypothetical South Carolina fan can't yell that this kid is underrated or overrated based on where he's committed yet. Because what if he actually commits to their school? Like that they, they have to. Their biases are not yet formed right. on each
0: player. Yeah, it's crazy to think that the that the that the fan might be biased and and we might not be us not being a fan of your school. Um, so yeah, it's just going to be it's going to be. And you know what I tell you, I, we talked about it a little bit. I think we may have touched on it, but I think the class of twenty twenty two in particular is going to be really fascinating, just because um, how limited opportunity to evaluate these guys there has been no camps like the off season the camp season is really a discovery process for the underclassmen as much as it is for the upperclassmen more so really and it feels like we're all kind of evaluating the same pool of prospects right now um whether it's us the other networks the schools it feels like everyone's sort of fishing from the same pond right now because there's just not there hasn't been enough opportunity to get eyes on a lot of other you know on, on sort of a diverse in diverse settings of, um, and so we'll see if that changes. We'll see how many opportunities there are that are out there um, for, for scholarships. Cause I think that could be a tricky spot as well. Um, given the, the roster scouts uh, moving forward with some eligibility that's, that's being maintained. Um, so a lot of, a lot of, a lot of it's going to be a fascinating year for the class of 22, but uh, we don't have time to talk about that today. We got, uh, I was going to tease an article agenda. I have. I, I, I was, I was going to tease it. So this
1: is an article I have coming on about like with the new transfer rule and the kids being immediately eligible, how is that going to impact your recruiting strategy for 2021? And this is from a recruiting director. Uh, he's, he's, at, he's at a G5, so, so not a P5, but he's like, I said, hey, how is this going to change your thing? And, and he's like, well, the information gap is much bigger than normal. And then he said, if it's a borderline kid, I'd rather take a transfer who you know physically can do it height, weight, speed. So many of these high school kids are also behind in strength and conditioning. He's like, so why not take a kid you, uh, you know can be solid for two years, then you get his spot back versus take a chance on a developmental high school kid who you've never seen in person or evaluated, and you make a four-year mistake. It's going to be really interesting. So check that article uh, Thursday or Friday whenever we have a little, little hole in the content coming on 247sports.com. But, uh, man, next two years, rec- with, with the transfers being involved, this recruiting scene is going to get really wild. Some people will play it well, and some people might get burned so
0: i'm i'm interested in seeing who's going to hire a director of uh of college personnel scouting uh you know nfl has their pro pro scouting director their college scouting director uh to 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 fish for free agents you know college has got to have some sort of um elements to their recruiting board now as well in terms of fishing for uh for transfers considering there's gonna be a one-time free transfer so i I would be it's gonna be interesting to see if how these these uh recruiting departments personnel departments evolve and change
1: there is an sec school i'm not sure if i'm supposed to say the name so i'll I'll, I'll leave it anonymous for now that uh, they had multiple guys coordinating their walk-on program and they actually took one of their walk-on coordinators and made him coordinator of essentially scouting transfer portal and scouting other people's rosters Makes sense. I think we'll see that come, happen more. I think uh, so. All right, man. So, Big Ten. Where, where do you want to go with this first? I'm, I'm wide open. I, I know you've done a lot of Big Ten on on, on cover three, and I, I've listened to that, and so I I really appreciate
0: your thoughts on that. I feel like you are dialed into this league. <laughs> uh, I've, I've I've sort of adopted it. It's um, it, you know, I I think it's been. And, and it's been a fun league, i think to watch evolve over the last couple of years the way some of the coaching hires have been been, been made some of the um sort of like glimmer of light at the end of the tunnel for for lovey smith and, and breaking through uh the the struggles that nebraska's had and, and and sort of doing the same you know all the issues that mel tuckers uh, is has inherited at in Michigan state so I don't know, I think probably we should just start at the top. Um, and, and I've, I've said this, I said this on cover three, I I believe this to be true. I think Ohio state is on a different tier in this conference than everyone else. And that's not, that's not a commentary on the big 10 being average. It's not a commentary on, um, some sort of just like, like underachieving, Year, I, I, it's a commentary on Ohio State. It's a commentary on them being one of the three teams that is just ridiculous in, in terms of the talent, the way they developed. Um, and so, I think Ohio State is an undefeated team this year. I think Ohio State goes to the and like I, I kind of, I kind of boxed myself into an Ohio State pick when, when the season in the Big Ten was canceled. I tweeted, you know, it's a that's a shame. Ohio State would have been my national championship pick. Easy pick to make because they weren't going to play, and you could always go back and claim you would have been right. Now they're back in the mix, I, and and I'm going to stick with it. Like I think that this is the best team in college football. I think Justin Fields has a chance to develop into a guy that can be nipping at Trevor Lawrence's heels, and I think that the personnel – like, it's so interesting. Like, all these teams, it's, it's really important what, what their returning production looks like and <clears throat> returning starters and all this stuff. Ohio State, just like Alabama and just like Clemson, though maybe to a little bit lesser degree of Clemson, but certainly like Alabama, like, throw that stuff out the window. They've got plenty of five star freshmen and sophomores that are waiting for their turn, just absolutely chomping at the bit, clawing to get on the field. They're going to be on the field and they're going to be really good. So, um, just the the obvious point out front, I, I think Ohio State's the team.
1: I mean, what what's your question on Ohio State defensive line? Maybe, and yet, like you and I as recruiting guys, we know a lot of these names that you know that that, that they've had. Now, Haskell Garrett, we'll we'll see if he plays this year. But I mean, I it's rare that you look in Vegas and you see a team is actually like better than even money to go undefeated. And that's what they are. Like Ohio state is literally you know, better than even money to go undefeated and, and win the big 10. And if they do so, they will certainly be in the college football playoff. I mean, you have just up and down the lineup. They have freaks, man. I mean, the receiver wise, I don't think they're where Bama is, but they're still one of the top three or four receiver rooms in the country. I, I believe it. I think your offensive line it's going to be really good since Wyatt Davis opt back in and you have you've got a lot of of really good players um who is Marcel Marcel Harris's uh, brother a uh, different last name the the DB there oh, at,
0: at Ohio State?
1: Yeah. Um gosh, I forgot his name now. He,
0: I don't know. Do they have a uh, Seven Banks?
1: Yeah, Seven Banks.
0: Yeah, yeah, I didn't know I didn't realize he was Marcel Harris's brother.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, brother or cousin i i i should know this. He, they're, they're both florida kids um so anyway like i listened to, to the Bucknuts morning five podcast which is our, our huge ohio state pod and they had a guest on who almost all his predictions seemed very reasonable to me and they were doing bold predictions and most of the bold ones seem reasonable and i forgot the guy's name and he says all right i predict that ohio state will win every big 10 game by two touchdowns or more and the co-host challenges him and says Oh to be bold I really think you should say 3 touchdowns or more. Like is that the level of team we're looking at here? I mean that was that that is crazy. It also says some stuff I think about the other teams in the league who who may not be totally on upcycles or or who if they are on an upcycle you know may not be be quite there yet to where they can really challenge for that league title which I is it just me, or or are you a little bit less up on Penn State this year, as far as your attitude about them than you were maybe three four months ago?
0: Are you saying you've have, you have observed my 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 rhetoric, and you feel like it's less confident? Or are you just saying that you might be less confident? I, I think I am, and maybe it's you. just
1: me, but like maybe it's you too. No, no, no Micah Parsons, the, the stud linebacker, do it all guy they have on defense, who, who I, I think is a you know, a real difference maker for them. Journey Brown uh, is now out with an undisclosed medical condition. I I just feel like there is a gap between Penn State and Ohio State recruiting-wise, and you can't lose some of your better players. I love Noah Kane and his effectiveness there as far as like a down-to-down success rate guy for that Penn State offense, but he's not a real explosive rusher, and and honestly never has been. When when he was at IMG with Trey Sanders, it was always, all right, Sanders is is the guy hitting the long runs, and, and Noah Kane's the dude who's kind of sneakily more effective on a down-to-down basis i i don't can you challenge ohio state if you if you don't have parsons and and journey brown
0: well i mean the thing that the encouraging point to 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 make that in in favor of that is penn state has challenged ohio state like pretty much every year recently um i'm just let me see it's i'm just pulling up their you know game 17 28 last year they lost uh 26-27 in 2018, 38-39 in 2017, and then the 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 win was 24-21 in 2016. So, you know, last year was the only game that was within like you know, uh what more than one touchdown. Um so I mean James Franklin, I don't want to say he has Ohio State's number. He just has he is equipped to play this team close. Um and the thing with, Ohio, with, with Penn State that is encouraging, I do think, like, I actually think Ricky Ronnie is a really good coach. I think he's better equipped to be a head coach than a coordinator. Okay. I think he's going to be a really good head coach at Old Dominion, but I don't know that there was, like, any advantage at the coordinator position when Penn State was going up against teams. I think Kirk Sciarocca has a chance to improve that offense. Um, Sean Clifford is, is limited, but... I think there's still maybe some more development still to go there for him that he could that he could be better than last year. The you know the offensive line should be the I think might be the best offensive line Penn State's had I, under James Franklin. I think the defense, yes, it loses Micah Parsons, and I don't want to I don't want to gloss over that. But there's a bunch of other five stars that are in that linebacking core. I think Jason Oway at defensive end could be this year's Micah Parsons. And Shaka uh, Tony it, doesn't suck. Nope. I mean, they're side. still really good. So I just think they're like, I think that this is to me, Penn State is still probably clearly the second best team in the Big Ten. Um, maybe, like, I certainly helps that Pat Fryermuth is back, you know, did, did not opt out. Um, you know, I, I don't think that that, I guess, I think they're the second best team in the Big Ten. I don't know that it's clear. Maybe that's not the, the right way to phrase it. I think they are the second best team in the Big Ten, though and I do think that there is a clear gap between Ohio State and them but I still like this Penn State team in terms of the way it's constructed some of the additions that they've made and the talents on that roster um and and you know what like they've done a really good job developing so I think it will be a good t- a good team a good season um but what does that mean? does it mean 7 and 1 does it mean 6 and 2 uh, that that's that's a little bit harder to pin down so
1: if I rephrase the statement, not clearly the second-best team, but clearly the second-best ceiling in the Big Ten, I, I think that probably captures it because I could see a situation so. in which Wisconsin and, and Penn State play on, on a similar level. Uh, my, my other real concern with Penn State is this. Kirk Soraka did such a good job at Minnesota of, like honestly, for my taste, he ran the ball too often. Right? They, they plowed the ball under the line over and over and over again, their run game really wasn't very efficient, but one, one thing it did was that you had to come up and load the box against Minnesota consistently, and they created a ton of one-on-one opportunities for those receivers in, in Rashad Bateman and Tyler Johnson. I think he's going to have a better run game at Penn State, given who the backs are with, with Noah Kane and Devin Ford. And I think the offensive line will be at least as good as what he had at Minnesota, to be honest. Who are the receivers for Penn State? Who are going to step up and take advantage of the one-on-one opportunities that that, that Kirk Soraka creates. I mean, he he does a really good job of of stressing a defense. They read different guys on these RPOs. I, I think it's a it's a pretty smart hire by James Franklin because I don't think he really has a true difference maker at quarterback you know, and, and or, or at receiver. So, like, what does he have? Tight end. I think a decent run blocking offensive line or at least an improved one. I actually like the the hire they made at the offensive line coach quite a bit. I, I think brings some new energy to that room and. You know, is it a Jahan Dotson? Is it Keandre Lambert, Daniel George, TJ Jones? Um, who was the guy you were tweeting about the other day? Uh, the, Park, the true freshman? Parker,
0: Parker Washington, true freshman starting. I mean, maybe it's him,
1: right? Like m- maybe it says, hey, we ask you to win one on one battles because of how much RPO stuff we're doing
0: here. Can you do that for us? Can you be a difference maker? That That's fascinating to me. It's been a very underachieving position at Penn State, which is what, what makes this, this match at the coordinator position so interesting because. Yeah. I mean, he, like, think about even when, um, Kirk Scirocco was at uh, Western Michigan with, um, with PJ Fleck prior to Minnesota, like they were a very wide receiver friendly offense then. And so I wonder if, Hey, may- maybe they are, may- maybe we're looking at this wrong. Maybe he's going to unlock the wide receivers in a way that like, they haven't really been able to at this point. I, I don't, you know, that's just posturing a theory as opposed to a- an opinion, but, um, I think that that is your. I agree with you there. I think that the wide receiver position probably is the key to the ceiling at, at Penn State because everywhere else, like they're not just good; they're damn near elite. Right? Yeah. I mean, just position by position, you could kind of check every box and say, well, this is an elite position group. Well, maybe quarterback. I don't think you're there yet, there. But uh, running back, check. Tight end, check. Offensive line, I think. I think check there. Defensive line for sure. Linebacker, I think for sure, even without out Micah Parsons, I think the I think the defensive backs is a really talented group that's gonna I, I think I think surprise some people this year. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I still I think there's a lot to be intrigued by there with with Penn State. Okay, from the top to the bottom, I I want to discuss Rutgers for a
1: minute. I, I know a lot of people will probably tune the podcast out right about now, but like, have you guys seen what Rutgers is doing? Like, they literally took a billion transfers I mean 79 I think they have 13 or 14 transfers on their roster this year and and a a good number of them who are eligible to play right away Greg Ciano obviously doesn't like what he has in 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 the current roster otherwise you probably don't take that many transfers and look I mean hey if you or I were the new head coach at Rutgers we'd probably do the same damn thing because that team was terrible last year and I think he made like I always trust Greg Schiano to have at least a decent defense, although the last year or two at Ohio State were kind of iffy. And I love the hire he made in, in in Sean Gleason. You know, like they they may still really suck this year. I I don't know because personnel wise they're probably not there, and that's a lot of new pieces to incorporate. But like Sean Gleason, I mean, you're an Ivy League guy. He was doing some fun stuff up, up at Princeton, man. And then he learned under Mike Gundy for a year.
0: Yeah, I I I, I actually think that this was. I mean, Greg Schiano from a Assistant coach hiring perspective, I thought he hit it out of the park. Um, I think this is, but that's why I'm a little bit. I do not think Rutgers will be any good this year. I think it'll, it's, I think they're just too far away. They were so far away last year. So, so far away last year. And I think they'll be, I think they'll be better this year. I think they'll be improved. I think they'll be competitive. I don't really think they'll be able to win any games. Um, but I agree. I think Sean was is good hire, you know, Fran Brown in the secondary is a good hire. Um, Andrew Arich was the kid, was the guy that they was at Princeton prior with with Gleason, uh that for the offensive line coach. Um, they they hired the the DB's coach from Michigan. Like they've got really good guys on the staff. Um and yet I just uh and and, and I think it was the right move, and I think it was a good job in. Filling up the the you know the the roster with transfers, those guys will make them better. But there's still a lot of Rutgers guys on that roster too, and I just don't think year one is going to be the one we see like the the significant shift. I think it's coming. I think that I think there'll be a good hire, but I just I think there's a lot. It's a big hill to climb right now.
1: I, I will also note that the that the the job that Shiano did at Rutgers prior was both a extremely impressive and b. Completely not replicable in terms of anywhere close to the number of wins because not only did, did he do it in, in in the the old Big East slash AAC, but he did it at a time where you had uh, some teams that had recently left that division, most notably Miami, Boston College, and Virginia Tech, who were Big East stalwarts at one time. If for younger listeners go back in the day, like that was actually not that bad of a football league for for quite a while, at least when Barton and I were growing up as kids. Uh, but now, like not only like, that that's just – that's not realistic. But I do think it's realistic for them, him to get Rutgers to be just not completely, completely terrible at all times. Now, you have something else on it? All right. I, I've got two teams that – or two groupings of teams that I kind of want to bounce off you of here. So, I want to talk Purdue and Nebraska in kind of the same vein, and I want to talk Minnesota and Indiana in, in the same vein. And Purdue-Nebraska for me is – all right pretty impressive 2018s really disappointing 2019s these are pivotal years for these guys i i think i believe in minnesota i i think i believe in purdue a little bit man like they had so Midnight. many guys yeah they had so many guys get hurt last year you know that's true yeah i mean they they have david bell they have uh Oh gosh, I'm i going to talk about him now. I can't remember the guy's name. The, the Rondell Rondell Moore, yeah. yeah. Like they they get some key guys back on defense. They're a very experienced football team. Now I know that that Coach Brom has the coronavirus stuff, so that that might hurt him for, for the first game or, or however long the Big Ten. Gosh, you might be like you know Corona suspended for the season if you catch it or, or even know anybody who has it. But I I think this team can finish 500. I, I really think like that's that's a reasonable goal for them. I, I think they can score on people, and I think the defense will not be as bad. My main question with them is like their offensive line last year was horrendous, and I, I wonder if, if they can be good enough there to bounce back. But I kind of have a little more faith in their bounce back
0: than I do in Nebraska's bounce back. All right, so I'm going to ask you a different question. And We don't have to get away from those two teams, but I want to ask you a different question because I think it's, it is related to these teams. Let's just say, I'm going to give you a hypothetical here, and the hypothetical is just that Wisconsin does not win the Big Ten West, all right? It's not going to be Wisconsin. That's I can, I can look in the future, someone other than Wisconsin wins it. Of the other six teams in the Big Ten West, how many of them do you think are capable of winning the Big Ten West? How many of them do you think there is a scenario in which they come out on top? How many others? Of the six, of the six remaining. How many others? I think four. Who who are you? Who are I see? Okay, I assume you're leaving out Illinois.
1: Yes, because and we can hit on Illinois here real fast. We don't have to discuss much more. I think I think Lovey Smith has actually done a pretty damn good job there at Illinois. He's done a really good job in the transfer portal. However, I will note that Illinois lost their entire starting defensive line, which was a major strength of that team last year. And I don't think that they're really equipped to get those same kind of stops like they did on defense last year. Uh, and they're going to have to rely on their offense more. And I, you know, as somebody who watched the Bucks for a while, I'm not totally sure that like Lovey Smith is great at coaching a team has to rely on its offense. But I, I do think he's doing a, a good job there, you know, overall. So I, I would I would cap out. Illinois there, okay. Who's the other one? Nebraska because of the schedule.
0: Uh, yeah, you're probably right. I mean, like, in in looking at these these, but isn't isn't the isn't the way the Big Ten's West Big Ten gonna operate? Is you get your division division oh, win right. percentage, and then you know the tiebreaker is your total win, win percentage. Okay, you know what? Then, then in that case, I, I think you're right. I, the only one I'm
1: gonna I'm gonna uh, cross off is Illinois. I think everybody else there is a scenario that I can walk you through. To where they could win the big 10 West
0: I agree and I'm not even I don't even know if I'm ready to throw Illinois out I, I think that's a good point on the defensive line but I do think like there's I mean they got a, they got an experienced quarterback returning they've got they finally have some continuity on the staff they've got uh some confidence coming off of last year they have some experience they have some talent they've got I mean so I'm not I'm not I'm not trying to talk you into Illinois but I think that that's a, that's still a quality team and like there's some parity in this this d- division in a really interesting way. And I think Purdue is a great example of that. Like I could, I mean, we're sort of programmed to put Purdue at the bottom of the list, but you just sort of start to dig and you're right. I mean, I think I I would like to see a quarterback I can be confident in at Purdue. I don't know that that's, that's happened necessarily. Um, I, But at the skill spots, they're as good as anyone in the league. I mean, David Bell and, and, Rondell Moore, they're starting just about everywhere except for maybe Ohio State. If you put them on Penn State, you're feeling better or worse about Penn State. Much better, Hell right? Yeah. Yeah. You're yeah. talking about Penn State as a yeah. I mean, so I, I I agree with you. Um I think Nebraska is a little would be a little more of a blind bet. Like it, which is which is kind of strange to say. But if I feel like there's more concrete reason for optimism with Purdue having that kind of cycle up year than Nebraska, because Nebraska I don't know. Like that they, they didn't have quite this many excuses as Purdue had last year with the injury bug. They uh I mean, unless you're just gonna say Adrian Martinez was kind of banged up all year, and that's an excuse, but I just think it's he just wasn't that great. Um, and I think the offense could be really good for Nebraska. But what like I don't know that I have much faith in the defense, and I think even the offense being really good, we're counting on some newcomers like Omar Manning. Juco transfer receiver and guys like that to be really really good so I think there's a lot of there's a lot of blind faith it takes to, to to pick Nebraska to have a huge breakout season um but that's that that could very well happen I think that's the that's what's fun about the west this year
1: in, in, indeed yeah and I I honestly like if we're talking about just West record I, I almost like Nebraska over Iowa you know like like n- now that I think about it because part of the reason I like Iowa is they have a fairly friendly you know overall, Schedule, um, but I, yeah, the, the West is. If Wisconsin falters, the West is wide open.
0: Do you think Wisconsin is going to falter? I, where's your Where's your Wisconsin c- confidence?
1: I, fairly high because I I think Paul Chris does a good job there. That program knows what it's doing, but like, there are some key guys that they lost. It's it's not just Quintez Cephas, who who was their really lone explosive passing threat last year, and they did not get the ball down the field well last year at all. Like You could play them largely in a box, and we saw Ohio State do that in the second half of the Big Ten title game. They also lost the best center in college football, if I recall, right? The the, the Remington Trophy winner. They lost their, their quarterback. Jack Cohn is out for an indefinite period of time with a foot injury, which makes me wonder if – like, I, I wasn't reading their practice reports a couple weeks ago close enough to know was Graham Mertz seriously contention to take over this job, or does he now have this job solely because of the injury? I
0: I was not following it, but I assume that he would that was not a competition. And I I thought Jack Cohn asserted himself pretty definitively as their starter, but I guess I guess I don't have verification on that. But ultimately, like I I, I do
1: I, I am going to pick Wisconsin to to win this division. I, I think they're a a little bit better team than Minnesota is. But Mertz is an unknown, talent-wise. I thought he was—I mean, largely as talented as most of the guys in that recruiting class that, that that he came out with at the quarterback position. You know, he he was a little bit of a toughy valve because he played competition in Kansas that wasn't you know, wasn't always that good and multi-sport guy, if I recall. But he he, he did well at the at, at the old Army Bowl, right? I mean, like I, I thought, he set
0: the record for touchdown passes in the game.
1: Yeah, I mean that's you know
0: that, that doesn't you know, suck. And mean had like five. So uh, I, are are, are yeah. you a believer in, in the Badgers? I mean, I am. I'm, I'm a believer in just their consistency. Um, I think that they'll have one of the best defenses in the country, and I think that might be enough for them. I don't think I'm a believer in them winning the division and rolling into Indianapolis seven and one or eight or certainly eight and zero or whatever. Like, I got. Th- I feel like this is a at least a two loss, maybe a three loss division champion. Um. Because I do think, I think it's, I don't think that we are allowed to just, let me start over. I think we are allowed to look at this team and and have questions about offense. Like, you can't just lose your starting quarterback, lose your best receiver, and lose your NFL running back and, and just act like nothing happened. Right. I mean... Uh, you know they've got Jake Ferguson back at tight end and he's a weapon they've got a pretty good offensive line they've got a little bit of a running back by committee approach but there's a lot of there's a lot of faith in Paul Chris to just figure it out with that personnel and I just I don't I think it's okay for us to say I've got or I think it's okay for me to say I've got some questions there so I'm I'm very interested in what the offense looks like. I believe in the defense fully, but I think there may be a couple of rock fights that they get, they just don't, don't generate enough points with, um, in and, 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 you know, come up on the, on the short end of the stick. You said something
1: interesting there. You, you said, you think that, that the the winner of the big 10 West will have three losses. Do you mean like five and three, or do you mean like, like the the team that wins the West will end up with three losses because Ohio state will beat them.
0: i think when i when i ran down the just sort of the the win totals the hypothetical win totals we did it for cover 3 and i think i landed on three teams at 5 and 3 on in terms of just their overall record so that's a little bit of just i think everyone's so close that there's just going to be a lot of infighting and a lot of cannibalization and uh i think i think it's going to be a lot of 5 and 3s and 4 and 4s and 3 and 5s like it's not going to be 8 and 0 and 8s. No
1: I I think that's fair. Iowa was not one of those teams in in your 5 and 3, right?
0: It wasn't. I was getting heat from a from an Iowa fan on Twitter whose literal Twitter handle is Spencer Petris Kool-Aid Drinker. So, I don't know if maybe this is another instance of him perhaps being biased, but I think Iowa I think Iowa could be one of the 5 and 3 teams. I think Iowa is capable of winning the conference or the division, I mean, I, I think Spencer petrus frankly, is 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 the big X factor there. And so too is I think Brian Ferentz and, and what he does with this offense to play to the strengths. The strength being outstanding wide receivers, outstanding pass catchers. And I I don't know, like do you have faith in Iowa to just sort of um like like you know open up a pass game to, to play to that strength. I, I don't necessarily. So I, I'm, I'm, and there's, and with all the off field stuff, I, however, however, um, confident and, and reassured we might be in, in what the locker room is. I think it's an unknown. I think it's a, it's, it's an unknown until the, the they're thrown in the fire there, um, in terms of how they look without Chris Dola the strength coach and how they look with, with some of the, you know, the trials, that they've had to go through this off season, I, I just think there's a lot of questions around Iowa.
1: I I don't disagree at all. Um, let's talk those two teams that that, that I don't say overachieved, but but uh, exceeded the expectations last year. Minnesota and Indiana. You, you've been you've been kind of a, a Tom Allen Indiana uh, homer here on this show, and and, and with good reason. So I, I'll turn this one over to you. I'll, I'll take Minnesota. What what are you seeing from Indiana this year?
0: I feel like I've I was. Um, I was on the Indiana train early last year, and I liked the Indiana train this year a lot. When the schedule, when I, you know, when I saw the schedule set up, they had Wisconsin open the season, and then they had a bunch of games where they looked like they could potentially be favored for. I think that it, it played out to where they could be looking at like a seven and zero record going to Happy Valley on Halloween. Well, the the schedule is a little different now. And they're like the A and
1: M of the Big Ten.
0: Yeah, like I just don't really like it as much. Okay. and I feel like it's. I feel like now it's a they're a little bit less of a of a sleeper team, a little more mainstream. Uh, and I, I I just for for whatever reason I have a little less confidence in them. Not that I still think they will be the what fourth best team in the East, but I'm not ready to put them over Michigan. And. But I think they're good. Like this is a really good team. And this is a team that, Penn, that could beat Penn State. Well, I think they play Penn State this weekend. They could, they could flat out win that game. Uh, Michael Penix is really good at quarterback. They've got really good wide receivers. They've got a good running back. I think they've got some young offensive linemen that are developing into outstanding high-end offensive linemen. And Tom Allen always has pretty good defenses. So there's just a lot. Like I think we, we've talked on the show a lot about the wide receiver talent. They've got the wide receiver talent to run with teams. Um, and they've got the quarterback to beat teams like Michael Penix. Let's see. Justin Fields is the best quarterback in the league. Michael Penix probably most people would sort of pencil him in. At, I don't know five or something. Tanner Morgan two probably. Yeah, like I think you could you could talk me in to Michael Penix, like based on trajectory. Being able to play himself into the number two quarterback in the league spot this this year, I don't think that's where he is right now. But if you just project out, have a little imagination about this thing, Michael Penix could be the second best quarterback in this league. So that's a lot. That's a lot to like. But I just I don't know that Indiana is ready quite yet for better than like four and four in a Big Ten only slate.
1: I, I I think four and four is is perfectly reasonable, and they were only five and four in the league last year. So I mean, four and four is is really not much of a step back, if at all. Michael Penix. One cool thing about him, he's, sack- he's your, here's your uh, backyard, isn't he? Isn't he a Tampa kid? Yeah, yeah, he, he's he's a Tampa dude. I believe he was sacked, uh, what one time in 160 dropbacks last year. That is crazy. Like like his sack rate allowed was 06 percent. Peyton Ramsey's seven point seven percent. So. Some of these dudes may not be like amazing athletes, but they just have that knack for just avoiding getting on the ground in terms of sacks. And he like I know it's a small sample, 160 dropbacks, but that ain't bad, man. Like that's that's really, really pretty good. Minnesota, on the other hand, is is a like they're a team that I, I think last year I caught a lot of flack because I was not buying into them early on because I thought they had a lot of kind of BS wins. Right? they had they had beaten a lot of teams that were using their backup quarterbacks if I recall I think Georgia Southern's QB was out they played Purdue when, when their quarterback was out I think Peters was out for Illinois uh I don't remember if if Martinez played for Nebraska and then they played Rutgers um, and they started with South Dakota State obviously and then they got Maryland after Maryland had had crashed back down to earth um, and so through about like the month of October I was like all right, this team is undefeated, but man, they do not have very many impressive wins to me yet. And instead of crashing back down and kind of regressing to the mean, instead, Minnesota just kicked in another gear. They started playing well against like good teams. You know I mean they 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 deservedly beat Penn State. They they lost close at Iowa in a game that was, you know, honestly, like very close throughout the entire contest. They they you know they beat Northwestern by three scores at Northwestern. They lose to Wisconsin. That's the one game that they really got you know their their, their doors kind of blown off in. Um, but and then they, they bounce back and they beat Auburn in the bowl game. To what extent you care about bowls is is kind of up to you. But like that team showed real growth in the second half last year after really I think not looking that great against some really subpar competition in the first half of the year, especially considering how many back quarterbacks they played. You know, ultimately, like I'm, I'm impressed. I think this team has a lot. Now they got a, they, they have a new offensive coordinator because soraka has gone. How are they going to replace Tyler Johnson? I, I think they have to do a better job of running the football effectively. Last year they ran it a ton, but they weren't actually good at running the ball. Right? They just they did it all the time, and they they didn't throw the ball all that much. I mean, Tanner Morgan, he only had 318 attempts on the year, and their backups threw like three passes. So. You know, it was pretty much all, all on him when they did throw this year I'd like to see a little more balance a little more throwing on on first down to see if you can help that run game out a little bit but not have everybody load up against it you know so much but like man if Wisconsin falters at all I
0: I think Minnesota can be right there so there you think Minnesota is the top contender I I do yeah I I, I
1: think PJ Fleck drinks his own kool-aid and gets everybody else to drink it too people really play hard for this guy he's done a good job developing the team it's kind of now or never for this iteration of the offensive line right this was that super young group that was huge but maybe not that good for a while like they, they need to step up um, but i i think that they can take some, make some real progress here good corner still you know i know they lost winfield but i mean ultimately i, I think this is a good football team
0: Am I so all right? So when I predict five and threes, I said five and three for Wisconsin, five and three for Minnesota. I said five and three for Northwestern. How you feel about that? You went <laughs> you went five and three Northwestern? Because I'm I'm kind of a, a Northwestern
1: stand too this but year. you're not that standish, huh? I'm more like four and a half, you know, four and a half, three and a half, kind of leaning to four and four, but I, I could see them going five and three. I I think four and four is a little more likely than than five and three um, just because I, I are they really going to clip both of the teams above them in, in Minnesota, Wisconsin? If they if they don't, then they need to go basically perfect against everybody else except for one. I love the new offensive coordinator hire compared to what they had and they are going to have a massive upgrade at quarterback and it's a very experienced football team. So like Northwestern is not going to be the sort of automatic out that they were last year and they weren't you know, automatic, automatic. Last year, like they started to pre- work for it.
0: Yeah, yeah, they were pretty automatic. You just, it was this long day. Yeah, you <laughs> you had, just you had, to, had to show up, right? <laughs> you had to show up, and you had to, you had to go through some, you know, you had to trudge through the mud a little bit. Um, but you know, it was uh, basically you just had to kind of finish the game. There was no bait and switch. Yeah, at like some it, point, someone was <laughs> at some point a quarterback was going to throw you a pick six, and you and and then you had you had your win. But um, no, I just I think that I think. You know, everyone's like, well, I mean, Peyton Ramsey's like, like Peyton Ramsey isn't isn't some miracle worker, and Mike Bajakian is is I think really good offensive coordinator, but he's you know he ain't like Lincoln Riley, but I think that the upgrade, the points above replacement, so to speak, that those guys provide relative to what they had last year, is like the the is a, is very dramatic, and there's the defense will still be good and and things like that, so. Uh, I think that um, I just think this team is going to grind out some wins in a weird year. Teams we didn't talk about,
1: real, real, real quickly here. Uh, Michigan State ultimately, like I don't think it's very fair to judge Mel Tucker at all. He he got in, like he was hired like right before the pandemic shut down. Has not had a chance really to to do a whole lot. And I mean, I I, even if they were to go over, and I don't, I don't expect they will. But like even if they were, I, I don't I don't think it's fair to judge them very much. I mean, they are on this extreme end of lack of pandemic prep, I would say. Uh Maryland, I I think what they showed in the final seven games of the Big Ten just getting blown out consistently is is kind of what they are, unless unless Talia or, uh, uh, or, or or what's his name at quarterback can, can Lance give them Legendre.
0: Yeah, there you go. I like that. Give me that again. For Lance Legendre from New Orleans. Beautiful. Uh, We we got it. We got hit on Michigan. We hit on Michigan. Oh, that's right. Okay. We (laughs) where where does your confidence lie with the Wolverines? I I still think
1: Harbaugh is a good coach. I just don't know that he's like an amazing coach. I I could see them going three and five. I could see them going four and four. I could see them going five and three in league play. I want to know, like, are they going to fit this offense to Joe Milton? He's he's a very good athlete. In high school, he was not a great passer. He's shown some signs of passing improvement at at, at Michigan through his first couple of years. But he's also, you know, shown some signs of still being you know, wildly inconsistent, which is not – like, that's not out of the ordinary for for a young quarterback. Um, they also don't have Nico Collins now. So it was another loss at the receiver position. They don't have Tariq Black anymore, who – I know it was hurt up there quite a bit, but, you know, man, this team, who is he throwing to? I, I want to see, like, are, are this going to be a real run-heavy team? This, this might be a little, little throwback action run-heavy team with with a lot of quarterback run.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to regurgitate some of what I touched on in, in the cover three win total spot here, and just I think the wide receiver group is really interesting. Because you are right, they lost Nico Collins, they also lost Trick Black, they also lost Donovan Peoples Jones, a bunch of big gallopers on the outside. But the personnel that they return at receiver, a lot of it very young, is to me really interesting. It's it's Ronnie Bell, it's Mike Sanders Still, it's um Giles Jackson, um, the new guys are AJ Henning and and Roman Wilson, like. The five guys I just named, and I don't know, there's others that, that I'm I'm probably forgetting, but those are a bunch of just flat-out burners. Those are a bunch of jitterbug type of space guys that in a lot of ways I think fit what Josh Gattis wants his receiving core to look like more than what he inherited. Um, I think he would like to have Nico Collins. I think he'd like to have a, a guy on the outside that he can throw to. Um, but that group is is still... It's just a matter of whether that they've they have they're ready yet. Um the like Ronnie Bell, we know like he's he's you know, he's been there, done that. But the rest of this crew, some of that like is Josh Gaddis has got a great track record developing the wide receiver position as good as anybody. And how quickly has he gotten those guys ready? I mean, maybe that's his saving grace. Like maybe he can get that offense activated by tapping into those wide receivers and the guys that he's recruited. So I'm just interested in it. I, I also think that because of the quarterback position, offensive line, defense just feels like it doesn't have quite as much on the back, on the like the back seven um, that it's had in recent years. They need Dax Hill to, you know, to, to be that guy. Absolutely. Uh, Ambry Thomas did not back in. Um, so I, I have more questions than answers, but I, but I'm, I think there's a, I, there, I have a vision in my head on what really good Michigan looks like on this team. I'm just not confident we see it, but I, I, it's, it's, you know, it's within the realm of possibility. I'm down with that.
1: All right. After the ad break, we're going to go. No huddle. We're going to talk about some of the biggest games of the weekend. I, I hope that we hit everybody in the big 10. If we didn't, I'm sorry. I'm sure we'll hear about it. Let us know in the Apple podcast reviews, give us those five stars and we'll see you all in a second. All right, man, we're back on the Barton and Bud show. We appreciate those five-star reviews you gave us during the commercial break. Let's go ahead and just stay in the Big Ten for a moment and talk about the two Big Ten games of the weekend that at least that I'm interested in. I think Barton is interested as well. And we can go quickly here because we just literally talked about these teams and their strengths and potential weaknesses. But Michigan at, at Minnesota. Michigan is a, a three-point favorite, three-and-a-half-point favorite, depending on where you look. But am I crazy in thinking that like, just first glance, this is a little little fishy? A little, little upset-worthy? I mean, to, to, to steal a phrase, this line stinks, right? Like, why is Michigan, a team that lost more than Minnesota did and was not as good as Minnesota last year, favored at Minnesota?
0: I think because it's Michigan. I think you're going to get a Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, I I think that you you got a quarterback advantage at Minnesota certainly early in the year. I mean, maybe like Joe Milton, the fact that Joe Milton, however good he might be, he was still battling Dylan McCaffrey. We've seen a lot of Dylan McCaffrey. I mean, Dylan McCaffrey's fine, but he's not like if you're a really, like if you're a upgrade from what Michigan had last year, you should beat out Dylan McCaffrey. And maybe he was, I mean, I guess he was, I mean, that's why Dylan McCaffrey transferred. I'm just saying, you know, I, I, I don't, I think we got to figure some stuff out here at Michigan a quarterback, and Minnesota doesn't. Um, so I, I think the, you know, in Minnesota, defensively, you know, can, can they hold up with an improved Michigan run game? Will the Michigan run game be improved? With I, I think their running backs will be better, but can you know their offensive line obviously loses a ton. I don't know, man. This is this is a this is going to be the most revealing game I think of the of the first week of of slate the first slate uh, in the Big Ten. If,
1: if Michigan wins this, Wisconsin has some cushion in the West. If Minnesota comes out there and wins this, then, then we are really on. Like th- then that Minnesota- Wisconsin game has a very high chance to actually decide you know the, the, the winner of the West. And you know, if, if Michigan were to lose this, it, if Michigan loses this game, it is difficult for me to see a path to anything better than five and three. and more likely four and four, I think. So this is a pivotal game right out the gate for these guys.
0: I agree. Uh, Penn State at Indiana. Uh, We we mentioned it briefly. I I think Indiana could pull the upset here. I think they're capable of that. I'm not predicting that. I think Penn State probably wins, but um, that's not like Indiana is not the kind of team I'd want right out of the gate. I'd like a little warm up round with somebody a little less scrappy than Indiana. Um, But you know, this will be. I think probably as much as anything. I'll be anxious to see the the debut of Kirk Scirocco at Penn State and Nick Sheridan at Indiana. The new offensive coordinators, both places, probably the thing that the single biggest factor in Indiana's sort of uh, surge last year was Kalen DeBoer, their offensive coordinator, is now the head coach at, at Fresno State. Um, so Nick Sheridan, a promising young coach, uh, former Michigan quarterback himself has some some sort of big shoes to fill and um, that's going to be I think that's going to be interesting to see how it looks the one
1: spot if you're looking at a team breakdown on Indiana last year like the one that stands out as just absolutely horrible passing explosiveness allowed 114th in the country a I'm sure that that's something that they're trying to get fixed and you know Ohio State dunked on them pretty hard you know Michigan State even threw some big balls on them if I I recall there's a couple other teams that lit them up we talked about in, in the first segment when we did the Big Ten preview we talked about Penn State's receivers Penn State needs to figure out early and often in this game if that's fixed if Indiana's still giving up the bomb Penn State needs to be able to hit that bomb because otherwise like Indiana's defense was not that bad in other areas like that was just the one glaring thing that it was like oh my god 114th is is just that's nowhere close to any of their other metrics. Like they, they got bombed
0: on, and Penn State needs to be able to hit them deep. Kirk Soroka likes to go deep. I've seen I've seen Tyler Johnson, and Rashad Bateman run past people a good bit last year. So let's see if he's got the horses to make Indiana pay this year.
1: All right. So the game of the weekend is probably this one. Right? Iowa State travels to Oklahoma State. The winner of this game is in the driver's seat to make it to the Big Twelve title game. And yet, I feel like it's not getting that much national play because I don't know if we really believe, like we as a collective college football media, if we really believe these are, you know, playoff-worthy teams. If these are Big Twelve title-worthy teams, maybe that's a a secondary discussion there. I man, I am kind of trusting Iowa State more than Oklahoma State here, but that's also because I don't know what to think of Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State has played a coastal team, or excuse me, a, a, a Tulsa team. In which it lost its starting quarterback on the first series, Spencer Sanders. And they kind of were like, oh, we gotta go with this JUCO or this true freshman, neither of whom really had many reps with, with us in camp. They they escaped that. The defense looks very good against Tulsa. They play Kansas, which is absolutely terrible. And they've played West Virginia. And West Virginia's offense, to be to be frank here, is is pretty bad. So I and they've only played three games because they had another one canceled. Like I don't know what to make of Oklahoma State. There's probably no team that's been playing all year in in kind of the national consciousness that I'm relying on my preseason opinions of more than Oklahoma state right
0: now. It could be a rude awakening for Oklahoma state. There's another one. I'm not, I'm not predicting that, but like when we, when the dust settles on Saturday night, wake up Sunday morning, like would it, would it shock you if we're sitting here and, and um, Monday morning quarterbacking that, Oklahoma State record to this point and being like, we should have known better, right? I mean, because they really have, they you're right, they haven't proven anything. And this coming from the Oklahoma State, you know, fan club president here. And, but they haven't proven anything. They've beaten a bad, a horrible Kansas team. Tulsa, didn't, you know, Tulsa's got a pretty good defense, but that's about it. West Virginia can't, you know, so like this defense who has been all, you know, we've all been praising is, is all, all we know for sure is, is it's, it's capable. Um, so, so, but like on the flip side, I think we can, we can take the, take the governor off the, the engine if they win this game. Cause I think Iowa State's legit. You know, is Iowa State a playoff team? Not, not, no, probably not. But I mean, they're, that's a legit win. Um, and, and I think you can call Oklahoma State a legit, you know, you could start to sort of dream about the Big 12 in the playoffs if Oklahoma State wins this game. I'm just giving them a win. They don't even have to blow them out. Just just survive the Big 12. If you survive the Big 12, you're good and Iowa State right now could be the second best team in the Big 12. Um so I you know, I think you know, flip side if Iowa State wins then you know, it's that you know. I, I think they're going to lose another one somewhere because that's yeah. just what they do. <laughs> so I, gonna, I still think if I big, would say wins, it's going to be like more of a mess uh, in the Big Twelve. I still think we
1: have at least a two-loss champ coming out of the Big Twelve, and, and you're I, probably I, right. Decent chance at a three-loss Big Twelve champ, to be honest. The one thing I want to know, like, what does this offense look like with Spencer Sanders? I, I think we can safely assume that if he's back in there, it will be at least as good as it was last year. Although there are some lingering, you know, concerns about the offensive line. And then on the flip side, yes, the defense has not been tested, but at the same time, like, what does an elite defense do against bad offenses? They really abuse them. And Tulsa, seven points. West Virginia, 13 points. Kansas, seven points. So it's not like, hey, the defense is playing pretty well. Like, the defense is playing incredible. Yeah. They've just played yeah. crap.
0: Yeah. Uh, why don't you give, give, give us a little bit of a. Um teaser on why you're all excited about georgia southern at coastal
1: i'm worried about this man like we we are we are a coastal carolina podcast and like i i I love those guys it's probably my favorite offense college football to watch at at least in the g5 level as far as the design and how they execute it and it's only going to get better because their their quarterbacks are true freshmen but in looking at this ah man like this line is climbing they're kind of becoming a little bit of a trendy team to bet on and and i'm looking and their Run defense sucks. And Georgia Southern runs that triple option. And Georgia Southern's offense is, is kind of getting better. You know, they they, they put up you know, 41 on UMass, which whatever, dropped 35 on UL Monroe. Um, Georgia Southern's defense is not that bad, especially not since they have guys back from, from COVID now, which is helpful. I, I think Coastal, their offense is good. It's gonna have to be really good because I, I do think that Georgia Southerns can, can score here.
0: Yeah, I, th- I mean, this is um, this is our team. You know, there's there's no hiding. Our allegiance lies with Coastal right now. Um, Did you get so, your shirt yet? No. Have you gotten yours? No. Coastal, <laughs> what what's up? Man? It's been a week. <laughs> All right. So our our so our fandom is sort on the rocks right now. Let's see if they can survive this week. Um, and 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 you know, if we get a shirt in the mail, then then that would make it a lot easier to manage any of uh, you know failed expectations. Um, In the Big 12 else, elsewhere, uh, you know what? I'm going to go here. Just, just, I want to make sure we don't run out of time here. All right. South Carolina LSU is a game I've got my eye on because it seems like Miles Brennan is not going to play. It seems like LSU is going to have to start a true freshman quarterback, whether that be TJ Finley or Max Johnson, the son of former NFL star Brad Johnson. Neither of those guys – based on what I know, is all that ready for the big stage just yet. South Carolina is playing some decent football. They just got one of their grad transfers eligible. Jalen Brooks, one of the transfers eligible at wide receiver uh, from Tarleton State. He, I have heard, is like all the way legit which could help their pass game, their pass pass offense, you know, like if LSU wins this, if LSU gets beat, um, man, like that's a thing's getting dark down there and you know, perhaps it's, we should hit this. Like as we've been recording, you seen this bud? No. LSU is LSU has been hit with like recruiting violations. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Like Odell Beckham's paying players, parents and stuff. So this is not
1: related to the uh, Our Lady of the Lake thing, the, ho- the hospital administrator. Deal? No, no, I okay. think
0: this is a this is a different deal. Uh, so obviously, I'm I'm just sort of reading this in real time. Ross Dellinger from Sports Illustrated is the one reporting it, um, but the, the eight scholarships reduction over the next two years. Eight scholarships. Uh, that's what it looks like. Um, reduced recruiting visits. Um, Wait, this is over the. The two thousand dollars worth of one hundred dollar bills at the national championship game. It, uh, like I said, uh, I'm 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 learning. As I, it seems that way. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, uh, oh
1: my God! Hey, uh, you, you want you want to turn two thousand bucks into like like two million? G- give them out at the national championship game with a bunch of cameras around and 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 uh, and lose lose eight scholarships in the SEC West, right. That's...
0: I mean, Man, things are uh, oh, things are going well there, huh? Odell turned into persona non grata there, um, but my wife is going to be so pissed. Just a, you know, it's just another, um, just kind of another weird fallout from the national championship season that was unbelievable, and here we are, sort of plodding through this one with a. It's been a, it's been a tough start, and I think South Carolina is capable of beating LSU and uh, it's, it's just a really interesting game to me. I think South Carolina is also capable. South Carolina is
1: like reasonably competent. They're not good. They're not, I'm not even sure they're an average team, but they're like a okay enough team. Auburn did outgain them by like 32% per play. So if you're looking for a reason is wait, why is LSU still favored here with the freshman quarterback? It's because if, if that game is turnover neutral and, there is some skill in turnover, which is also some luck. Then Auburn wins it more often than not, given that level of yards for play edge. I mean, if you have a 32% yards for play edge, you're normally winning by two or three touchdowns, you know? But like, like so South Carolina is not perfect, but man, like it does make you question what, what the kind of, what state is this LSU program in right now? This is not a game that I will be playing pregame. I, I'm going to need to watch a couple series. And if, if I, if I wager on this, it'll be live, um, most, most likely. I'm, I'm excited to watch that. We also have an anxiety bowl in Old Miss Auburn. I don't think that either of these teams are actually good, but one of them is at least exciting, and that's old Miss <laughs> and somebody once said you can't be bad and boring so
0: <laughs> yeah that, that one's just going to be one of these where I mean obviously if Auburn loses, then you know the the the, the Auburn fans out for blood for Malzahn will continue to you know have their. Yeah, Be louder, uh, but Ole Miss. Like even like the funny thing is, even if Ole Miss loses, they'll be at this point. They would be what Are they one and four. Um, how many games we played at this point? Um, they'll be one win team, and they will be, and and yet I, 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 assuming the offense is still clicking a little bit, I, I don't even think it'd be a disappointing one win team. It would be like it would still be this like really excitable one win team and everything everyone's still i think happy with the lane kiffen hire so it's it's i just think that's kind of a fun little fun little matchup
1: um oh hey this is partially tied by the way to the our lady of the lakes uh thing oh is it okay Uh, but alexander's dad got 180k allegedly uh from the booster who embezzled it from the hospital uh for a no-show job in 2012 to 2017 um according to to ross Dellinger. so got it all right um all right, here's another game for you. We, we, we said we would suspend our questions about Notre Dame and their downfield passing attack for at least one more week, and we weren't going to judge them based on 25-mile-an-hour wins and Kevin Austin's first game back against Louisville. I'm going to judge them this weekend, though. Pitt is a team that gives you a bunch of single coverage, whether that's cover four, converting the man, or just you know, straight down-the-field man coverage, and you can't usually run the ball very well on Pitt you can't usually throw the ball short very well on Pitt. Normally, you have to beat them deep. They will give up the explosive play if you can hit it. If you can hit it, you'll win. If you can't, you still might win because Pitt's offense sucks, but like, it might be a little, little close and uncomfortable. This is the game. Can Ian book? Can they show me enough to go down the field and hit explosive plays with the passing game down the field? Like That's the only reason I want to watch this game. Otherwise, I'm not really sure it's going to be all that exciting, but I, I do want to see if they can check it deep.
0: All right, so you say if they can't do that, you're done with them as an ACC title contender, right?
1: Yeah, pretty much.
0: So let me uh, let me ask you the opposite. What what if they can do that? What because last week and I think you may have been the one that did a good job of adding some context here about how windy it was and how hard it was to to throw in that setting last week. So like let's let's wash away last week's game against Louisville if they do hit it if Kevin Austin now fully healthy a couple weeks in, getting his feet under him, um, you know, I think Braden Lindsay may be in the starting lineup as as well now. Like I, if they get some big plays, if they, you know, put up 30 on Pitt, are you are you gonna change your opinion in the positive? I yeah. Well, I'll I'll at least keep them there
1: as a team that if they play their best. You know, could could give Clemson a game in the AC title game. Like they're still gonna have to play their ass off, and Clemson probably like if Clemson plays their A game, it doesn't really matter what anybody else does. But if yeah. Clemson plays like a B game and Notre Dame plays their A game, and Notre Dame show me that they can actually throw the ball and threaten you down the field, then then I'll I'll give them a shot. Not a great shot, but just a shot. If you can't throw the ball down the field at some point against these other AC schools and this one especially, uh, then then I think I'm done with them.
0: All right, uh, one more, and then let's get to the big recruiting question. All right. Uh, Oklahoma and TCU. Who's the favorite
1: right now in, in Vegas to win the Big 12?
0: I know because you told me Oklahoma.
1: And they're like by a pretty good margin over everybody else. So Vegas doesn't really believe in Iowa State, Oklahoma State. But at some point like you do have to get to the game in order to win it and this is only a 7-point spread, right? So like Oklahoma is maybe still the best team in the Big 12. I don't think they are right now personally. Iowa State deserved to win them or to beat them in that game. But I think there's a pretty good chance that Oklahoma by by year's end could be the best team in the Big 12 if they keep improving and, and progressing. But they got to win this game I think to get to the Big 12 title game because otherwise they're going to have what? 3 Big 12 losses. And it's just hard to get in with three, I think.
0: Yeah. I think I think so. Um, yeah. And yet I don't do you do you have does that lead you to a hunch on what side of the line is the right side? Not not particularly.
1: I I'm kicking myself a little bit for not taking this one it opened at like five or, or, or five and a half. I just you know, I, I didn't see a ton of value in that and, and I don't really want to come on the other side and 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 bet TCU because TCU is just really inconsistent.
0: They are, man. It's been a few years now where TCUs, just you don't know week in, week out what you're going to get.
1: Yeah, exactly. So I, uh, I I do like Max Duggan in the sort of like, okay, screw it, Brett Favre, come from behind role. So if they get down big against Oklahoma, uh, I don't love Oklahoma's ability to salt the game away running the football. And I, I will probably try to jump on TCU. Uh, if I can get them like, you know, plus 20 or plus 17 and a half live or something like that, then that's, that's going to be attractive. Because I think Max Duggan in that role has already shown that he, he can be pretty good. Uh, but I, pregame, I don't, I don't have a huge hunch on it. Are you taking something
0: here? No, I was just curious if your your preamble to the, to that game implied that you saw some sort of value in uh, Oklahoma minus seven.
1: I, I just think it's interesting because Vegas clearly thinks that they're going to be the best team in, in in the Big Twelve by season's end. But I don't know that that they are the best team in the Big Twelve like right now. They weren't yeah. that much better than Texas in that game.
0: No. And Texas is n- no. not great. Right. All right. Uh, let's see. the All right. So mailbag question. Recruiting thing. Uh, thank you. Everyone that's given us a five-star review, first of all. We really appreciate it. We hope you continue to do it. How's, how's our race with paid doing right now on the late kick? Uh, let me
1: see here. So he's at 793, but he's also done 106 episodes. We have done um, 633 in 40 episodes. All
0: right. So
1: we're kind of like that team that throws the ball, you know, 25 times a game for 310. You know, Pate's throwing for 400, but he's throwing the ball 65 times a game. Like he's like like Mike Leach, Texas Tech over here because he's he's podcasting so much.
0: We're Coastal Carolina. Yeah. We don't throw much, but it's effective when we do it. Exactly. Right. Let, let's All at right. least get us to 650, though. Yeah, come on. I can't let that guy pull away. All right, Chris, Stack, Chris Mack Stan. Oh, this is a Chris Mack. Okay, I got it. Um, you discussed teams regressing in the team talent rankings last episode, and my question is about the regression of Louisville. They've dropped in the rankings each of the past five years and have an average ranking of 39th. I think many would attribute the consistent drop to the idea that Petrino put no effort into recruiting and uh at the end of his second stint. So my question is can Scott Satterfield get Louisville into the top 25 range of the team talent rankings If so how does he do it?
1: Ooh, okay. So top 25 is is aggressive for Louisville, uh but yet like when you know when when Charlie Strong was there he 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 had some nice nice recruiting wins. Petrino was not a great recruiter uh, when, when court, when, when, when court was there, um, you know, talking about the, he's now uh, Denison. Yeah. Well, he, is, he's, 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 he's back, back there. there. He's yeah. Back. He, he, he went to Oregon. Now he's back. I, I think he's pretty sharp as far as running, you know, running recruiting. And I think that Louisville's recruiting will improve. The problem that I see with Louisville is, is this teams like narrative matters in recruiting somewhat. and, Last year, Louis, Louisville was basically like, I think they were a lot better than they were in 2018 because, like, they weren't being beaten down by their head coach. And that that, that 2018 Cardinals team just just up and quit on Petrino 100. So the improvement that they made, they made last year was really just, I think it was one of buy-in, right? Like they, but they they didn't really improve the talent that much last year and. I, I, this is one of the reasons why I was not very high on on the cards coming into this year because I didn't think you could get a similar level of jump in terms of buy in because the buy in was already there. Now, the real, like, you know, getting better at football, not just trying and caring, improvement had to come. And I, I thought because Petrino's rosters always just kind of wither and die, regardless of where he goes. I mean, Arkansas, the Falcons, Louisville, where, wherever, it, it was going to take a while. Um, now, though, the shine is kind of off the cards, in my opinion, because it looks like they have regressed, and to some extent, they've ha- they have. But they've also had some tough luck losses this year, and, and they weren't really prepared defensively to play Miami. It doesn't look like so. Now, how do you like like your momentum looks like it's gone, right? How do you sell this to recruits that you're still moving in a positive direction? I, I, I think this gets this gets a little bit tougher.
0: Do you think they, they can get in that top twenty five range? I think the wins have to come first. I think that that's not always the case. Um, a lot of programs, a lot of coaches can recruit the talent before the wins and, and then the wins come after I think this is the, the reverse. I think the wins have to come first. And I think it's worth remembering where Scott Satterfield comes from. He comes from App State, Boone, North Carolina, a really strong program from a culture identity standpoint. And he could recruit guys to that culture, to that identity. He could recruit tough guys. They get into that locker room. They buy in. They, you know, The team would hold its, each other accountable. And, and, and all those sort of things are part of the reason why App State was and is consistently good. Um, I think you have to start to create that kind of identity – and accountability over time in recruiting the guys that you've you've sort of had to recruit. I like think They're going to continue to recruit sort of the under-the-radar types in the near future. That's sort of what he knows. I think once that identity is sort of created and sustained and the wins start coming, I think that's when you can start taking your swings and being selective on picking the right four-star type of guys and those guys will listen. Um, I just don't think it... I, I, so the, the answer to the question is I, I would expect, yeah, absolutely. There's like top 25 potential for Louisville, but it's, I think it's going to have to be down the road after a proof of concept has been established. Um, and you know, I mean, Louisville's Louisville is a good, like Louisville is a, they've got, it's a, that's an awesome town. It's got, you know, good facilities. Um, they've, you know, that's a, they're located in an area they can recruit North and South um but it's it's a basketball school and i don't think it has the brand recognition that some of these other schools have so i do think it's going to take scott satterfield proving he's a stud for for like the big time guys in florida and elsewhere to take notice um when he does cuz i think he will then i think the recruits will too i i agree with that and also they just they they need
1: to they need to finish well like down the stretch this year. I'm I'm looking at, at what their schedule is here to to finish. And I mean right now they're they're one and four. They have they've, they've lost four games in a row. Um they have Florida State this weekend. They're favored over FSU. I, I did take FSU plus the six and a half. It's kind of been bet down to five, four and a half ish range, which you know kind of feels about right. If if FSU plays like they just did against Carolina, they'll win. If they regress a little bit to what they're doing before I think I think Louisville will win but after that they, they they get vtech. So in that game I'm probably going to pick vtech cuz I don't trust Louisville's defense at all. So they they're probably going to be like you know 2 and 4, 1 and 5, so then they'll you know they they could have six losses by that point after the vtech game. But they do finish with Virginia, Syracuse, Boston College and Wake Forest. This has always been a front-loaded schedule and I do think that if I'm a recruiting guy, I can sell this as hey Look, we, we had some we had some problems with the virus. We had a weird offseason. If we could go back again, you know, we, we would do it a little bit differently. Clearly, like we, we put too much on the defense, they weren't understanding. They they blew some assignments. I mean, obviously, they're they're dead last in the nation in explosive plays allowed, so could be an issue there with some busted coverages. It's hard to get hard to get that way, just being slow. But like there's a really good shot that they could they could finish three and one or 4 0 down a stretch. And if you do so. Then you could sell. Look, we got it turned around. We're right back on track, like like we were, and and you can start to get some stuff. But you're right; the wins have to come. Louisville's not not a team that's going to recruit itself just on on name brand. Awesome, man. Yeah, I think, I think that's I
0: think we're cashed.
1: We are cashed. Let's get this thing, Tony. Tony, appreciate the the awesome edit on this. I think we were pretty clean today, though, which is which is solid. And uh, yeah, get get us those 655 star reviews, drop your questions in there. I think next episode we will probably go like go two mailbag questions, man. So, I'm, I'm excited yeah. on that. Wow. Doubling up. All right, y'all. Be well. See you.